Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, 15th chapter, verses 1 through 3, and then skipping down to 11 through 32. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger son of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. And he divided his living between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took his journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in loose living. And when he had spent everything, A great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have fed on the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and make merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. And he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Lo, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends." And when this son of yours came, who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus' parable of the prodigal son is probably one of the more familiar of Jesus' parables. We have probably heard it many times. 
in our worship in churches. And even as familiar as it is, I believe it still speaks to us today. I think we can still learn a lot from this parable that Jesus told. But I would like to set the scene a little bit, because I think by setting the scene, we'll be able to understand the parable perhaps a little bit better. Jesus has gathered around himself people that normally would come to Jesus, the, the outcasts, the, the sick, and they have gathered around him and he decides to tell them a series of stories that are particularly relevant for them. Now, the Pharisees are also there at a distance watching this scene as these people, these sinners, gather around Jesus. And they are, dis, dis, well, it, they criticize Jesus for being surrounded by these sinners. Now, you have to be aware that in that culture, in that day, if you were sick, if you had a disease, if you were disabled, if you were in any way not in perfect health, if you were poor, you were considered a sinner because God had cast judgment upon you. Because you were injured, because you had leprosy, because whatever reason, just being poor, that was God's judgment on you because God judged you, you must have sinned. You must have sinned in order to be where you are. And so the people that gathered around Jesus were not only the, the things we think of, the prostitutes, the thieves, the, the tax collectors, but they were the poor, the sick, the disabled had gathered because Jesus had compassion on them. They knew that they would be accepted in Jesus' company. And so Jesus gathered them and spoke to them. And he told three stories that would relate to them. The first one was the story, the parable of the lost coin. And then he moved on to the parable of the lost sheep. And then finally he moved on to the parable of the lost son, the parable of the prodigal son. All of these had in common the theme of what was lost has been found, and when that has been found, there is rejoicing. God and the angels rejoice at that which has been lost and now found. So Jesus begins the story of the prodigal son, and immediately there must have been gasps of shock when his listeners heard the beginning of the story. A man had two sons, and the younger son asked for his share of the inheritance. What this son was doing was unheard of, because inheritances were passed down upon the death of the father. This father was not dead. This father wasn't even sick. This father was well, and yet this younger son said, give me my share of the inheritance, because basically, to me, you are dead. You mean nothing to me. And the father relented and gave the son his share of the inheritance. And the younger son went to a far country, somewhere where he was not known, somewhere, perhaps the big city, where he could fulfill his dreams. And he had money to spend. And he must have had a wonderful time. And then the money ran out. And a famine hit the area. And he was 
destitute. He was without food, and he came to his senses, and he came, he decided to return to his father, not as a son, but as a hired servant, before he was not worthy want to enter into that family again. So the son returns, and the father sees him at a distance. Now, can you imagine? Was this just a coincidence? The father just happened to be out one day and saw his son coming? I believe the father was constantly scanning the horizon. He had never given up hope that his son would return. And then that day came, and his son appeared, and the father ran to him. Now, men in those days wore long cloaks and robes. In order for a man to run, he had to lift up his robes above the knees. That was a shameful, scandalous act for a man to show his legs. And yet, the father was willing to degrade himself in his unbridled joy, in his enthusiasm to receive back his lost son. And he embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son began to repeat the excuse or, the, or the, his you know, desire to be welcomed back as a servant, not as a son. The father disregarded all of that, put his best robe on him, put a ring on his finger, a sign of sonship, put sandals, shoes on his feet, because only servants went barefoot. The father welcomed the son back into the family with no restrictions. His status fully restored. And he said, let us kill the fatted calf. Let us make merry. For the son who was dead is now alive. He was lost and now is found. That's the story we remember, don't we? And it still speaks to us today. Because we are still prodigals from time to time. There are times when we... Life is going well. We have everything we want, everything we need. God is a distant thought at best. We're doing pretty well without God. And so we go to that far country, whatever it is where our desires are to be met, where we think life is going to be better, where we think we're going to find fulfillment and happiness, and we find instead that we are lost. And yet the Father receives us back. Time and time again, the Father receives us back. Now sometimes that story ends there in the pulpit. Sometimes they don't even go on to the, to the elder son, the story of the elder son. But I want to talk this morning a little bit about the other brother, the elder son, the good son, the son who stayed the elder son. I am an elder son. I'm the oldest of seven children. I have four brothers and two sisters. I am the eldest son. I never got in trouble. I was a rule follower. I was a people pleaser. I still am. I had the added responsibility slash burden, if you will, of being a pastor's son. So all eyes were on me, but I bore that responsibility. And I thought, how many here are eldest children? Okay, perhaps you can relate to what I'm saying. And studies have shown that elder children tend to be the more responsible ones. They, they tend to be 
the good children in the sense that they tend to be the rule followers. So, so I think maybe some of us can identify with this elder son who has been doing his job. He has been faithful. He has been out in the field. He's done everything he's supposed to do. He has followed the rules. He has been responsible. And what happens? His younger brother returns and is shown all of this lavish welcome. And the elder son is he's confused. He's resentful. He's angry. He's angry. And he refuses to go into the party to celebrate the return of his brother. He doesn't want any part of that. And the father comes out and he, he entreats his elder son. Come, join the party for your, your brother who was lost is now is found. We can celebrate. We're, we're a family again. We're together again. And the elder son says, no. You know, your son took your money and went off and spent it on harlots, prostitutes. Now, Jesus never said anything about harlots and prostitutes, did he? He said he went and spent his money on loose living. The elder son adds the detail of the prostitutes. <laughs> he wants the younger brother's sin to be so heinous. You know, what a shame. Why, shameful, shameful act. Why, who could ever think of, who could ever dream of doing that? And at the same time, you know, he's probably dreaming about doing that. <laughs> but he doesn't want anything to do with it. And he, and he tells his father, he said, your younger son comes home and you, you kill the fatted cat. What did you ever do for me? Did you ever give me even a kid, a small goat, that I might make merry with my friends? In other words, you have given everything to this younger son. I have received nothing. Actually, he received two-thirds of the inheritance, being of the older son. He is in charge of all of the property, so when his father passes, he will have everything. Everything will be his. Now I want you to think about who else is hearing this story. Because the elder son's story is geared or, or targeted not to the sinners that are around Jesus, but rather the story of the elder son is targeting the Pharisees on the far side. Jesus is talking to them now. And he's, he's telling them, you know, you have labored in your father's house all these years. You have been faithful. You have been responsible. You have followed the letter of the law. You have received all the blessings of God. And yet you act as if you have nothing. You are not receiving the enjoyment of being with the Father and in the Father's house. You know, sometimes that's true of us. You know, sometimes God blesses us and we are so unaware or so unappreciative of the blessings we have received that we might as well have not even received them at all. I think that's the way it is with the elder son. He, he has this victim theme going on here. He has been victimized by his younger son coming back, not even aware of all that he has received. And there's something else that we can also consider. 
and that is that the elder son has been toiling in his father's house. He has been close to the father all this time, and yet he knows nothing about his father. His father, by his actions, we know that the father is love, compassion, um, unbridled joy, all of those things that, that the father, who is God, is portrayed in this story. And Jesus is saying, all right, you're the elder son. You've been with the Father. You have been in the temple. You have been doing all these things for your religion, and yet you know nothing about your Father. Because if you knew your Father, you would show compassion on these sinners. You do not know your Father. Where is the compassion? Sybil Cannon tells a story of growing up in a little small town in Mississippi. And uh, she was a very religious girl. She was the, sang in the church choir. She was the president of the, of the youth group. Uh, everything she did, she did for God. And she felt so, so religious. Well, then her Uncle Chester and Aunt Maddie came to stay with them. And Uncle Chester was a challenge for Sybil because Uncle Chester was known as the town drunk. He was an alcoholic. And he made life difficult for Sybil. And Sybil one night went to the... They had a revival meeting come to town, revival. And so they went to church one night and Uncle Chester came along, along with Aunt Maddie and and, uh, Sybil sang in the choir... And at the end of the service, the evangelist stood up and said, anybody who is a Christian, stand up. Well, a lot of people stood up, including Sybil. And, uh, and later on that evening, when they returned home, uh, Uncle uh, Sybil said, what did you think of the service tonight? And Uncle Chester said, well, I think people misunderstood the pastor when he invited all of the Christians to stand up because I believe that not everybody who stood up was a Christian. And Sybil said, are you talking about me? Are you attacking my religion? Are you, talking of, are you saying, I am not a Christian? And she, and she stormed out. And a little bit later, she came back and she said to Uncle Chester, she said, how dare you talk about my religion? Look at you. You are a falling down drunk. You're an alcoholic. You can't work. Uncle Aunt Maddie has to support you. You're living with us because you can't, you can't support your own family. You, 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 you talk with a slur. You can't walk straight. You're falling down. You know what you are, Uncle Chester? You are an, a drunk. You are a worthless drunk. And Uncle Chester, without even lifting his head, said, Sybil, I know what I am, but do you know what you are? And Sybil left the room, and she admitted later that that conversation changed her life. She went back to the evangelism meeting the next night, and when they asked for people to come up, she she went to the pulpit, and she asked, can I share a word? And she admitted, she said, I believe I am a Christian, but I am also a Pharisee. For I have stood on my religion while I have criticized and judged others. And it changed her life, and she realized that As a Christian, we cannot judge others that we feel are beneath us and below us. We cannot judge another person's sin. 
And so the story that Jesus told of the good of the prodigal son actually was targeted to two audiences. The sinners, those who were around him, we were familiar with that story. But the second part of the story targeted the Pharisees. And for those of us who have been lifelong churchgoers, for those of us who consider ourselves to be Christians, standing proudly on our religion, we need sometimes to look in the mirror. Are we, do we see the face of Christ or do we see the face of a Pharisee? Do we spend our time judging or do we spend our time loving? The Father calls us to love, to be the face of love. And so we are called to be that son, that, that part of the Father that is now in the world to be his hands and his feet. Amen?